wanna fuck this song. Funky song. <laughs> oh yeah, funky Kong. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna fuck funky Kong. Fucking on chilla songs. <laughs> I'm really excited for Casey to make the is this the intro to one of the episodes. That? You gotta tell us when you're recording. No, no always A B C always B Corden. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like Corden is someone bad. No. I can't James, remember. James, James, Corden. James Corden. Corden. He's fine. Maybe. James, you're thinking of James Debato. He's bad. Oh, you're right, you're right, 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 right. Drag him, drag him, dox him. <laughs> <laughs> Begin over the town of Burza Knife. We're not in a ship at this point. We're just oh! seeing. <laughs> Splat! <laughs> <laughs> We're just seeing a bird swoop into frame. A very distinct bird with a very distinct rider. Who has the Uhuru selected to send out to negotiate the terms of landing in this port? And which bird have they taken? Do any of us know anyone? That is entirely <clears throat> up to you as players. I'm sure I, I like know someone. It definitely does not. <laughs> I'm sure I know someone. All right. So Travis knows someone. Is Travis going? Yeah. All right. Yes. Travis, who are you taking? Which bird? Yeah. There is Lucas, the peacock. There is Metatron, the red-tailed hawk. And there is Flea, the albatross. Gotta go with my man, Lucas. Mm-hmm. Fancy boy. Yeah. So Travis is uh, cruising down on Lucas. Travis, atop Lucas, swoops into frame and down onto the city, I think, shortly after dawn. We can see the massive walls of Burza Knife, a city that has has large buildings and walls on the outside and comes to a sort of dipped center interior with an open-air market in there. Most of the open-air market is draped with silks and burlaps. The city itself has Gothic-style architecture with these massive and imposing walls that we can see hold back the sea as Burza Knife dips beneath sea level. We get shots looking around the walls of the city. We can see that, for the most part, the wealthier individuals live closer to the middle of the city. In the center, you have this market, and on the outer edges, you have parts of the wall where water sometimes leaks through, where the buildings are falling apart. Surrounding the city, there are dry docks for air vessels. We see several ships that are currently docked in Burza Nyth. Travis pays very little attention to flags and insignias, I imagine. Uh, so he, I, I don't think anything immediately jumps out at him. I think he also... Uh... 
he's kind of taking his time getting down there. He really likes to fly. So he's he's being a little showy and, and just kind of going for a bit of a Sunday drive. Yeah, and, and that allows us to see some of the impressive buildings around this place. It's, it's clear that a lot of wealth flows through here, even though there are some buildings that are dilapidated and falling apart uh, due to water damage in their structure. There is some fascinating architecture around here, and you can see the guards that align the walls of this city are dressed in finery. It's a really spectacular view from above. Travis lazily circles down into what appears to be an office built onto the side of the wall, and we smash cut to Travis sitting across a small table from a person who has a very, like, middle management feel to them. It is a man who is balding, has a heavier frame to him, uh, and gold-rimmed glasses. He's got a big manifest in front of him. His name is Jeff Murdoch. His name is <laughs> Jeff Murdoch. That's right. <clears throat> and we're all so proud of him. I, it's just uh, like he's the best. We're, so, he's the best. we're all very proud of him. He's very funny. I believe that you'll welcome us with open arms. That remains to be seen. Please have a seat. Which ship do you represent, Mr. Matago? Matago. Matago representing the Uhuru. And uh, Travis, as he sits down, he unbuttons his like overcoat and he's wearing a cravat made of feather weave. Mm. Hearing the name the Uhuru, his Quill pauses mid, like, writing, and he looks up for the first time, taking Travis in. That's spelled U-H-U-R-U. I know how it is spelled with the Uhuru. You are aware, he stows his pen, that there is a hefty price for parking an outlaw vessel on the walls of Burza Knife. I think if you recheck your manifest, you might find that we're a peaceful vessel. That would not be the rumors that have been circulating as of late, Mr. Matigo. If all the rumors about me were true, well, I'd be a very lucky man, I suppose. I am not so much concerned with the rumors circling around you as much as I am concerned about the rumors circulating around Oromar Vale. What sort of rumors have you heard? I've heard Oromar Vale has sunk over a dozen Red Feather ships. That Oromar Vale wears the jacket of a Red Feather captain, whose ship he stole and renamed the Uhuru. Oromar Vale has never attacked a ship unless he was provoked. And Oromar Vale also is related romantically to the Bandit Queen and her fleet. What Oromar Vale does in his personal time is neither my business nor yours. It does become the business of Burza Knife when we must explain that the Uhuru has docked in our port. Something that I believe my superiors would be happy to do as long as the rate is assessed. I am sure that we would be willing to pay the rate as long as it was a fair rate. 
Make a negotiation roll. And we'll sort of interpret what you offer based on that. Oh, dang, that sucks. Well, no, I mean, your negotiation bad. is bad? Mm. Yeah. That doesn't seem to fit. My charm and deception are. Then would you like to take another tack with this? Yeah, you should always be using deception. ABC, yeah. always be lying. Yes. Um, crying. Crying. Mm. Always be crying. <laughs> lying starts with a C. Uh, cry, see if it'll Roll get it. him to do something. Uh, okay, yeah, I will. Uh, if this is too big of a lie, let me know. But can we just rename the ship? Is there a way to do that? Okay, so this would take charm or coercion. Or mm. you would have to go back into negotiation territory if you were to offer gotcha. him a bribe or something. Okay, then then I'll do then I'll do like oh then the Ahuru just won't dock here. What's mm-hmm. the difficulty on that? This is a charm, I think. Mm-hmm. So the difficulty is going to be hard. Three? Ho, ho, ho. Yeah. Ho, ho, ho. Okay. I think the easiest way to keep everyone happy is to just make sure the Uhuru isn't docked here. Roll your charm. I want to see how this shakes out before we... Oh, boy, don't I. Mm. That's, you got oh, that. yeah. With uh, threat. Two, two threats. threats. Two successes, two threats. That's a good roll. That's Legally, a, that's I a have spicy to say meat this. Roll. That's a spicy meat roll. <laughs> <laughs> just like they say. That's a tangy mid-roll. Japan. (laughs) (laughs) I hope that makes it in. Mr. Matago, you are proposing to me to forge documents so that your pirate vessel may nest in our port. I would never ask someone else to forge documents. Travis uh, pulls out whatever paperwork you would need Mm -hmm. to dock your ship with a different name on it what is the name that travis picked when forging these documents oh make it so bad japan japan Japan. Japan. uh the ship is called japan but with an italian accent (laughs) oh geez because i feel like this is kind of the fake name for the ship that we use a lot Mm. oh Mm. if it's a fake name that we use a lot why don't you call it the lean at gilo bitch I, I do like the Gilo. Yeah. Call it the Minoc. Give <laughs> ah. the fans a treat. Come. Come. Call it come. come. Oh, the ship is called Sky Come. What does Uhuru mean? Freedom. Freedom. Liberté. Yeah, that's all I know. Egalité. Fraternité. I don't know. You, Someone else. Go. Uh, wind. Serengeti. Weather light. No. <laughs> uh, tears for fears. Uh, Post Malone. Pre Malone. Uh, Pre Malone. <laughs> <laughs> ah, I like that. Pre Malone can still get you pregnant. <laughs> uh, For sure. That happened to me. Uh, <laughs> I have five kids. Help. Uh, Dude, you didn't learn a lesson. No, I Jesus. didn't. That's a lot of pre cum. <laughs> uh, in Finnish, freedom would be Vaspos. Yes, that's it. Fast pass. Yes, fast pass. Fast pass. Fast pass. <laughs> Ooh, at, see if we can get some fast pass to the carnival. Oh, I want to get a fast pass. I want to go to the roller coaster. How do you spell it? V a p a u s. V a p a u s. What is that? Pass. That's freedom. Baby, that's freedom. Then, Mister Madigo of the Valpas, welcome to Burza Knife. and we smash cut two. The crew of the Uhuru, the main crew of the Uhuru, walking around the upper area of the wall coming out of the port where ships dock. What does everybody look like and what are you planning to do? 
So, uh, and, so and I, actually, I want to point out, we're taking this moment to describe what you look like because this is the start of a new arc. So mm-hmm. people might want to jump on board right here. So be sure to do your full character description and okay. include any important details. Travis is uh, dabbing like he always does anywhere he goes. On his haters. Of course. And his and haters, great. Graves, the graves of his haters. And his haters are many. Um, oh, could we actually do helpful information? <laughs> um, <laughs> okay. oh, kind of roasted. ruins my bit, but I guess uh-huh. I'll do helpful information. Travis's three dog mares in a trench coat. <laughs> Can they, they all wrap? Yeah, okay, good. Uh, Travis has uh, silvery hair. He's young. Mid-20s. I'd say older than that. Oh, 30s? Yeah, I'd say like mid-30s. Okay. But uh, but looks old. You know how like young people sometimes look old? You got an old face. Like, like you. Like me. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I've looked 45 since I was 23. Mm-hmm. And he, he has gray hair. And uh, he's wearing what was once a very nice coat, but is a little patchwork now. Certainly fingerless gloves. Like I said, a cravat made of feather weave. That's the right word, right? Cravat? Like a yeah. like an ascot or whatever? Okay. He's wearing several watches. Excellent. Excellent. Uh, Liz, what about your character? Gable is, I'm going to say for the majority of our time in this city, out of an abundance of caution that they very rarely have used in the past couple months, Gable's going to be wearing a very long cloak with a hood up. Mm. Uh, in mostly an attempt to preserve some sort of anonymity despite being extremely tall and extremely large. Gable's seven foot tall. Uh, <laughs> just keep on. I'm just going to keep on saying it. I'm going to say mostly wearing the same clothes that they've been very low maintenance, high utility boots, sword at the side, a cutlass at the side, and still with the, uh, the great sword across their back. Oh, wow. And I think also for this arc, Gable is going to be presenting fairly masculine. Okay. Although Gable doesn't consider themselves to have gender, if anyone refers to them as he, that's fine. Cool. Let's move on to JPC. Why don't you tell us about your character? So Dref Wormwood is a thin, gaunt young man. Not tall, not short, kind of of a middling height. Nervous of temperament. Wears a set of glasses. Also uh, has a kind of more like goggly type device that he keeps around his neck that he uses when he's doing surgeries and the like. Dref is also the medic aboard the ship, but for this arc, while they're walking around in town, Dref is not wearing his traditional large white like lab coat spattered with, you know, stains of old and covered in pockets. He's wearing very plain, like nondescript clothes, boots, pants, long shirt. He's also sporting a kind of like tangled mass of black hair hair as a wig um <laughs> Dref, normally his hair is very close shaven uh it doesn't look like he's like going bald but it looks like it's very like purposefully shaven no one's really ever talked to Dref about why he chooses to keep his hair cropped like this but you have seen him on occasion uh going into places putting on yeah, this like kind of wild looking wig but it does like obscure a lot of his face so does the eye patch so does the eye patch, uh, and he's got a bug face and bug eyes. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so the, the, the hair kind of falls like down over his face, and everyone kind of assumes that Dref is such a nervous person anyway that this sometimes he feels maybe like social anxiety, and he chooses to kind of like hide more in plain sight. 
And Tyler, what about your character? Uh, so Jonic Kessler, pretty sure he's the shortest of the crew. Um, he's a he's a little boy. He's a, about 15 years old. He's kind of on the thinner side of things. Right now, he is very wide-eyed. He's never been to Burrs and Knife before. He's kind of like peering over the, the sides of the wall, ogling at that. He's got a sleeveless shirt on that is tucked into a pair of pants that is maybe just a little bit too big big but it's a uh, it's all right because it's like tied together by like a little rope he's got on some boots that are a little worse for wear but he's wearing it well that's beck um and then <laughs> the sides of his hair are of his head are shaved he's kind of got like a frohawk going on he's got a red like a crimson red bandana that he has tightly tied around his uh forehead and i guess because we are going for a little bit of we're trying to be a little anonymous. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. <laughs> so I don't know how, but John has found some hair relaxer. What? <laughs> um, so he's like, uh, Oh man! Oh, okay, poor so baby. In this Wait world, a minute. Is it dangerous in this well, world? Well, that's uh, what, that's what I was about to say. I would so, say that Jeff probably helped you with this. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So uh, it's probably the equivalent. Oh man. Okay. Yeah. So it's probably the equivalent of like how you would relax your hair. I think maybe in like this, like the seventies ish, where it's like it's mostly lie. Wherein, oh, um, oh no. So you put it in because like he heard that we're trying to be anonymous, and like he immediately ran to Jeff. He's like, "Give me." Like, like, I want to be, I want to blend in. I don't want to look like myself. And so Dref gave him what he had. You put it in your hair and you leave it in and you wait through the burning. Oh, and no. uh, this is the, it was the first time that John had ever ha- like had this experience. He wanted to do it right. So he gritted his teeth he, uh, and he just like, kind of like, slowly like slobbed through it as at one point this is like the most interaction that he's had with the captain but like mm-hmm. the captain was in the room while they were doing this whole thing and John it was holding the captain's hand Aww. and squeezing as hard as he could but the end result Jonnet for the, let's say for this arc has more, uh, much more relaxed hair. It comes down and it sort of covers up one side of his face. Uh, uh, and kind of like a, it kind of goes up and out and down over like a side of his face. And so as he's peering over the side of the, the ship, he has to sort of, uh, the, not the ship, the wall. He's sort of like moving his own hair, ogling and then putting it back where it was. Mm. This oh. is, this place is amazing. As if I've said it once, I've said it a million times. Dref knows black hair. <laughs> I, I, I can only imagine that like you do this horribly painful thing to your hair, and then you like turn around and Dref's like putting on a wig, and he's like, "You could just cut it off and do a, and do a wig. <laughs> it's probably less painful." Oh my god! Wait, wait, can oh, well, I don't know. Gable talks to Travis like Dref's hair what? is like the what Jonnet shaves off of his side. <laughs> Did Jonathan know that he took it, or did he just put on the wig and he was like, "What the fuck"? (laughs) You know, I. And yeah, so there are several moments while they're walking on the wall where, like, Jonathan is like looking at Dref from the back, and it's just like, "Wait a minute." (laughs) Yes, that's what that is.
it's your friend James, your game master. I've got all sorts of exciting news and information for you, but first I have a radvertisement. This one comes to us from Kyle Decker and Quest Friends. Quest Friends is a Numenera actual play podcast. It's a farcical science fantasy show that explores friendship and family in a world one billion years into the future. In this bi-weekly show, five best friends tell the story of four soon-to-be best friends as they struggle against celebrity CEOs, disgraced magicians, and their own emotional hang-ups. The episodes are tightly edited, the comedy is kept good-spirited, and the puns never, ever end. Ever. They just released a recap of the story so far, so now is the perfect time to jump on. And transcripts are available, so if you have problem listening to audio, there are ways to read along. Listen to Quest Friends at questfriendspodcast.com or your favorite podcasting app. A huge thanks to Kyle and Quest Friends for sponsoring the show this week. Speaking of the show this week, I am so excited to be in a new arc for Skyjax. We've established enough about the characters and the world that we have a lot more room for freeform exploration. And part of that is the cast and I collaborating on the setting for this new city, which in this episode we refer to as Burza Nith. Uh, but I looked up the pronunciation afterward and we should actually be calling it Buja Neith. But we'll be calling it Bujanith in later episodes, so look out for that. Now, if you'd like to learn more about the creation of Bujanith, you can actually listen to us do it in real time in the Secret Archive. We put up a bonus episode that was me, Liz, Tyler, JPC, and Johnny creating this new city. And we use pretty much every part of it in this arc. I'm very excited. Also, this episode, you might be hearing an unfamiliar voice. That is Allie Barthwell, who dubbed over one of the characters for me. You'll be hearing more from Allie as this arc progresses. Before I get to our Patreon thank yous, I want to let you know that this week on One Shot, we are playing One Child's Heart, a sci-fi speculative fiction role-playing game about helping at-risk kids. And the episode we did is actually a lot sillier than that sounds. Imagine if Dak Rambo from Neoscum was an aging priest who spent his time volunteering to help kids. It's a pretty fun ride. Before we get back to the show, I want to take a quick moment and thank our backers on Patreon. Chase Jones, thank you so much. Thomas Niebuhr, thank you. Matthew Bilsma, thank you so much. Hilary Betson, thank you so much. Sam C., thank you. Madge Witt, thank you very much. Christopher Bruce, thank you so much. Greg Walters, thank you very much. Stefan Nelson, thank you. Devin Circuit, thank you so much. Rowan Narales, thank you so much. Krista Atkinson, thank you. And of course, George Cardoss, thank you very much. Thanks again to everyone who supports us through Patreon. You help make this show possible. Now, I want to remind everybody, when we hit $8,500 a month, Campaign Skyjacks goes weekly. As far as our recording goes, our raw audio is well far ahead of actually published episodes. The cast and I are eager to hear people's reaction to the show, so the sooner we go weekly, the sooner we get to hear your reaction to what we're doing. And I think that's something that benefits everyone. Well, with all of that out of the way, let's get back in the sky. <laughs> see the incognito Uhuru crew walking along this massive wall. Travis is not incognito. 
I mean, yeah, sure. Travis, Travis is just out there, but, uh, you know, he's used to blending in when he needs to blend in and he's not afraid of most things. I wonder how Travis is going to be at using a fake name. You think that's going to be a big skill of Travis's? (laughs) (laughs) Well, and you might not actually need to do fake names. This is a port where both totally legitimate operations from the Red Feather move through, but pirate vessels are also welcome so long as they pay the docking fee or are clever enough to bribe the guard, which most certainly happened. You are currently on this high wall. I'm going to say that the tallest buildings get in this city is about four stories, which is incredibly impressive. And, you know, you marvel at the size of this place, but you are at the top of these four story buildings and you can see the city sloping down into this tented market. I want to say that Burza Knife is normally a very drab kind of dark colored city using dark stone. Earth tones and blacks are very popular colors there. The only time of year where there is an exception is right now. As right now, they're getting ready to celebrate Iorpiora, which is a tremendous festival based around falconry and birds. Not just falconry that we're familiar with, but also the use of griffins or lion birds. And we're familiar with lion birds as a concept because those are in fact what Gable keeps aboard the ship. Birds that are like the normal birds of our earth, but of a tremendous size. The city is covered in flowers. Each quadrant of the city is decorated in a different type of flower to match the team that historically lives in that area. There is going to be a massive competition of uh, different events across the city to determine a winner. Uh, The winner usually gets a, a massive prize, lots of prestige. It's a thing that wealthy people from all over the place and folks who have kind of an adventurous persona come to the city for. You, I want to say, are two or three days before this thing is really going to kick off. And you're lucky because it's kind of hard to get into port as a ship when you are here. And one of the only reasons that they took your negotiation is because you had a griffin on your ship. And the listing still lists two other griffins, so they believe that you would be capable of competing and that you would be valuable to have in the city at this time. But it's before the massive influx of people. You're walking along the wall and we see a massive staircase that connects down to a wooden contraption that is essentially a glorified dumbwaiter. It is the earliest version of an elevator and it is what most people use to get down. It is possible to take the stairs, but few people (laughs) choose to do that. They, of course, to use the dumbwaiter, uh, charge a fee. Is it featherweave powered? I think it is mostly pulleys. Yeah. One very sad man at the bottom. There, I think there is a cargo (laughs) dumbwaiter, which needs to use featherweave, but they use featherweave as a brake to slow the descent of like, you know, many tons of cargo. Um, So yeah, you are faced with the choice of whether you want to take an elevator down or whether you want to go on the stairs and save a little bit of money. Jonnet kind of like looks at the stairs and is like, I don't want to do that. And then he remembers that 
basically, I mean, I don't know if we've shared with each other like how much money we have, but it was like, guys, can can we ride the the? Is it? Are we calling it a dumb waiter? Yeah, we probably shouldn't call it a dumb waiter, huh? Yeah, can we ride the lift? Would get the lift, yeah. Yeah, can we ride the lift, guys? It seems like wasteful. What? We could just as easily walk down the stairs. Gable, we've got fast. so we've got so much. Fa- we we brought this ability. I don't mind taking the lift, but we're in surge pricing right now. So <laughs> if we just wait out, maybe for the peak, or we could do the lift line. No, no, no. You can split it with me. Okay, we'll all split a lift. Is that? What we're doing? I think walking would be the fastest and cheapest. Well, you can walk and we'll take the lift. Easy come, easy go is what I say. Okay, bye, Gable. Travis hands the liftman some coin. I like this. I like this as a move that you did because currently the Uhuru doesn't have a lot of cash. There is some coin on the ship, but mostly what you have is potential money in the huge amount of feather weave that you have. But I really like the idea that this is the sort of crew that will spend like it's already a done deal and they already (laughs) have this money. And we see them pile onto this lift along with a bunch of other people. I am going to pull a luminary real quick. Tom. (laughs) Tom Tom. Riddle is with you. (laughs) I miss him. Good for him. I hope this lift driver doesn't try to talk to us. (laughs) <laughs> it's the worst. <laughs> so I picked you up at a comedy club. You do comedy? <laughs> Sorry, what? I had my earbuds in. <laughs> I'm kind of a rapper, you know? You want to hear my stuff? They call me Belch. <laughs> Who's they? Me. <laughs> oh, I love this. The card that I drew uh, is the audience. Uh, and we have the... P- I've either the every card in that deck is perfect, but in listening to this podcast back, we draw the best yes. cards every it's wild. time. Yeah. <laughs> well, the, the audience is almost cheating because its theme is the most dramatically appropriate thing to happen happens. Mm-hmm. Uh, whatever, whatever oh. would be the tensest and most dramatic thing. <laughs> so I think you step onto this elevator, this lift, and you 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 get towards the back. And the next people who are let through out of customs, because, like, I I think the lift is expensive. It only runs on certain times. Uh, It's more like a a tram or a train than a lift. Oh, man, I love the idea that there are several cars and carts to pile into. So there are, you know, dozens, maybe even over 100 people who are getting into these various carts. and, And you just happen to be ushered into cart number three. Following just behind you you can see the telltale blue and red coats of a red feather unit of soldiers. And Dref, I need you to make a deception check. It is easy. Well, that doesn't mean I'll make it. (laughs) I know that doesn't mean you'll make it. An easy deception check. Can I have a blue dice? Because I have a wig on. (laughs) Yeah, I love that. You have a very bad wig. It's a very bad wig. Uh, wow, that's just two successes, but Great. boy, oh boy, that was that was a close call. Uh, so I think you stifle your reaction, but you see leading this contingent of soldiers onto the elevator, Tiberius Youngblood. As I see that, I 
shift and move behind Gable as much as possible. Gable is such an imposing figure, and I try to, like... Is she on the stairs? I'm on the stairs. Fuck me. (laughs) No one else is imposing. Uh, (laughs) Is... The captain with you. Uh, yes, of course. Then there uh, you go. Yeah. So, so I, and I'm always kind of standing behind the captain anyway, because uh, I have to watch where the captain is moving. So yeah, Dref kind of just shifts even further behind the captain and kind of like buries his head into the back of the captain's hair. And since we're focusing on the captain now, I the think it's time <laughs> to describe Oromar Vale, captain of the Uhuru. He is a tall man, not as tall and imposing as Gable. Thank you. And uh, but but he is he is not lithe. He he is broad and big. He's a beast uh, daddy. Yeah, he's a I thought you just said he's not alive, and I'm like, yeah. <laughs> and he is also not alive, but thanks to Dreth's medical and necromantic ministrations, no one can tell. has dark black skin and he has his hair which is in dreadlocks done back into a tight ponytail. Normally Oromar would wear his hair wild and free, making a big, imposing gesture, but this is much more reserved. I think Dref and Jonnet, because they were doing kind of a hair day (laughs) for themselves, spent some time ornamenting his hair. So this ponytail has, you know, bits of gold woven into it. What he's wearing is formal clothes that Oromar had in his quarter they are not the telltale red jacket uh, that you would get from a red feather captain. It is more a fine suit. If you were to picture, you know, like the sort of clothing that, that a founding father would wear, I kind of feel like that's what we have. So yeah. like Hamilton chic for sure. <laughs> and he is standing there, of course, because he is a dead man, shows no emotion as Tiberius and the rest of the red feathers make their way onto this lift. We know that probably Travis is unperturbed by this. Yeah, I think he's uh, just like kind of playing with his luminary deck. I think when he's nervous, it's kind of a tick, but when he's super relaxed, it's more like just kind of practicing flourishes and stuff. The thing that I'm really interested in seeing is what's Jonnet's reaction to these people coming on? When the Red Feathers enter the lift, I guess he just kind of like turns out to like the outside the right of the uh, the lift and just like kind of focuses that way. And then <laughs> he like shifts his hair from like one side to the other to sort of just cover up his face. Yeah. I guess maybe his other side is maybe to the captain and he's just trying to like make himself as small as possible. Mm-hmm. These soldiers come onto the lift. They stand at very ready attention in front of Tiberius. And Tiberius looks out over Burza Knife. And he says sort of idly as if he's talking to the air, Are you visiting for Aya Piora? Is it festival week? 
<laughs> he turns around and he has like kind of a charming smile on him. You can see, Dref, something that you did not know. Tiberius has a large scar running down his cheek that he did not have the last time that you saw him. He looks over to Travis and looks him up and down. You must be a skyjack. What gave it away? I've found most uninitiated travelers dress a bit warm. Not everyone knows what to expect from the sky. Skyjacks, at least those not unfortunate enough to have to deal with military uniforms, tend to dress in layers that they can adjust. Hmm. How long have you been flying? Long enough. <laughs> well, you can't be Red Feather. No, but I'm... Uh, and then he looks to your cravat. <laughs> you lucky sot. You're a privateer. <laughs> And all of the men and women in the lift turn to Travis and the rest mm -hmm. of you and uh. look at you with renewed attention and fascination. Ugh. How did you get into your outfit? Who did you have to bribe? You're so young. <laughs> well, like I said, I've been in the sky long enough. Oh, you must tell me, who is your captain? I happen to be well acquainted with a few privateer vessel captains myself. I would be charmed to find we have a friend in common. Oh, well, uh, you might not know him. We come from very far. <laughs> no need to play coy. I promise you I'm not auditioning for your outfit. Though I can't make the same promises for my soldiers. What about this? We'll make a little wager. And we're going to cut. <laughs> what? <laughs> a wager? Because <laughs> that's who he is. He's yeah. compulsive. He's compulsive. You're a compulsive gambler. Um, Sir, can I bring you a dessert menu? How about this? <laughs> we make a little wager. You and I. Sir, no. What? I can eat everything on that menu. He throws a true Ocus on Please the table. Don't. Please don't do this, sir. Um, we cut to the stairs. They go down. They go down. Yeah. They go down in a, a big crisscross and winding pattern, and they are mostly empty. The dark stone is very well kept, very clean, and you can see that there is only one other person on the stairs with you. They are wearing a blue robe. They are a young I want to say, yeah, like a woman probably in her late 20s, early 30s. She has dark skin and hair that is done back into a tight ponytail that comes to like kind of a natural poof at the end. There is ornate gold banding on that ponytail and her robe is of an incredibly fine silken material. There are patterns and symbols on it that you don't recognize. Not that you are the type of person to pay attention to patterns and symbols that much. I actually don't know. But she carries a staff that is of a finely kept wood that appears to have six brass bands. Two in a top section, there's a middle section, and then a bottom section. Would I recognize what that is or um let's see my knowledge is all the same yeah so this would be a knowledge of like weaponry adventuring you think yeah yeah adventuring and i'm gonna unfortunately call this one hard okay. and i want you to take a blue die just because you've been alive such a very long time thank you table is such a wonderful dum-dum oh my gosh you did it yeah 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 wait did i yeah yeah, that's... Uh, wait, oh, are, wait, no, those are advantages? Those are these advantages. Are, no, these are advantages, yeah. so I have one threat. One threat. <laughs> I did not do mm -hmm. it. Um, 
So yeah, you look at it, it to you looks like a nice staff. God damn it. <laughs> okay. But they walk down the stairs with a very deliberate pace, moving down about five steps and then pausing. And it looks like they go through some form of meditation. In one hand, they have that exercise thing that, that is just two uh, jingling bells. Oh, yeah. Um and they're sort of like rotating those uh, in a regular pattern. And between the jingling of the bells in their hand and the staff tapping on the ground, it makes an even rhythm that's almost hypnotic in a way. Uh, excuse me. Pardon me. I didn't mean to interrupt. I'm just going to get I'm walking right by you. My, my apologies. <laughs> their staff stops. They turn around to look at you and they are looking up at you and you can see on their face it looks like a kind of paint it's kind of like an elaborate makeup they have blue around their eyes like forming points off to the side their head is dotted with patterns of white their eyes are also a very piercing blue not many of us out here today well, with the convenience, I understand. Very few people choose the stairs. You and I are uh, akin. What brings you to the stairs? Oh, my. I'm sorry. I'm just curious. I, I like to take a look. I like to get the lay of the land and uh, man-made objects, I believe. The chance of failure is a bit too much for me. I can see how one like yourself wouldn't want to trust a device that is man-made. Please, enjoy your walk. You too. And... I think you are able to head down without uh, too much incident. It does take you about 30 minutes, though. What just happened? You just met a character on the stairs. Oh, God, I wish I weren't dumb. Uh, you wish you were dumb? Or I wish weren't? I weren't dumb. My knowledge is very bad. So we are going to go back to this elevator. Please, Johnny, At tell me, what is this wager? When, real quick, when you said, let me, like, uh, let's have a wager, Johnnet immediately starts, like, tugging on the back. <laughs> just like, what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> so is there any like sort of information that we could get out of them that would be good? Yeah, absolutely. But you would have to know what that is because you're, you're going to be making a request from them. And if you want sure. information, you can definitely get it. Is there anything we would want to know that you guys can think of? Where Featherweave mm. is catching the highest price right sure, now? Sure, yeah, that's good. I don't know, even though it's kind of a centralized thing. but So as far as wagers go, I'm thinking like there there is probably a quick kind of wager where like maybe luminaries are sort of like a given toss? a hierarchy or something. So like yeah. basically we just each draw one and whoever gets the high card wins yeah i i think i think that's true i i feel yeah it's got to be luminaries too because doing it with a normal deck of cards would be boring there's got to be like some sort of complicated right, rock cards. paper scissors like map of hierarchy between luminaries mm -hmm. uh and we're gonna make that up as we go sure uh or I, or I could do like a reading which we've done before i don't really know how that would become a wager but we have done like readings yeah, we <clears throat> readings are just so like non-binary in yeah. what they do. Uh, so I, I like the idea of just there is a hierarchy of which luminaries are stronger than other luminaries. And like it's kind of a weird balance thing. What if like I think that I think that they could fall into three categories, good, evil and neutral. Mm -hmm. So what if I ask him to pick like kind of like calling heads or tails, like calling. We'll just do three card Monty, right? 
That's perfect. Yeah, and you're obviously looking for the Maiden, and the Island is the worst card that you can possibly get. And what's a good neutral intermediary card? You know what? I think it is actually going to be the Audience. So this is a typical gambling format with the Maiden, the Island, and the Audience. I think... uh, the island, whoever draws the island, that is the worst result for them in this wager. Whoever draws the maiden, is uh, that is the best result for them in this wager. And the audience is like kind of a compromise between the mm-hmm. two points. So one person agrees to shuffle and present, and the other person decides to pick. <laughs> we'll see who gives who what information with a simple game. Travis shuffles the three cards with a flourish. Is is this a game? This is like a known thing. Oh yeah. Okay. Definitely. He looks to you and you can see that the soldiers who are looking at him are like kind of in awe of this whole situation. They've seen a whole group of privateers today and they don't look anything like they would expect a privateer to look. And their leader Tiberius is, is maybe going to do this thing. You can, t- you can feel that everyone wants him to do this. I think Travis even does the thing where he shows the three cards. He's like, you know, shows the, what they are, what they are, flips them over and shuffles them like very openly, you know, mm-hmm. three, three card Monty. Yeah. He takes a look over to the soldiers. He takes a look over to your group. You know, he can see that, uh, Dref is i don't even know if he can see dref <laughs> dref is like you could probably tell that there's a person there but he is so <laughs> buried behind Oromar that it's like yeah i mean like a, a little kid yeah, buried you, in his mom exactly yeah. like you you'd have to like you have to really be interested in what was going on there to be like you there yeah yeah he he, he sees he sees that like there is a child here that child is nervous for whatever reason there is someone larger than a child that is also like kind of shy and nervous and there is this finely dressed man hmm. who is completely impossible to read he decides in a second and reaches his hand forward <laughs> Well, I'm afraid today is not your lucky day, my friend. John, it pulls <laughs> on Travis's jacket. <laughs> it's the will of the luminaries. The cards are never wrong. Well, then, being under the lumen's eye, what family's flag do you fly under? Would Travis know a good lie to tell? You definitely do. I, I feel like you've been around so long. I think the danger here is that you mm. would remember an organization that is out of like that. Is, oh, cool. Oh, they collapsed mm. 150 years ago. Uh, no. So I, yeah, I need you to make a knowledge roll. You've, I assume, invested nothing in knowledge. Oh, absolutely not. How um, hard is this? And they're they're all equal. This is average. Okay. This is average. Maybe I even want to make it easy. <laughs> yeah, it's easy, but take a black die. Okay, cool. Yeah, uh, that's a, that's a success. No, no that's wait, a failure. Oh, no, shit. That's a failure with an advantage. With Jeez. three advantages. Johnny, good lord. No one knows how to read these dice but me. <laughs> well, because you played the wrong dice for so long for on so Old For so long, yeah. So, but that's your knowledge check. So you don't remember yeah, you, specifically if this, you failed the part if 
this is someone who went out of business and died 150 years ago or not. But you still have a name. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. do still have a name. Um, and that's more of a deception check. What's a what's a cool name? I don't think you even need to make a deception check. Oh, okay. I, I, like I I feel like I already know how I'm okay. gonna play this. Are you looking for a ship or a, a, a family? like a family name? Oh, so we've got Youngblood. We've got Rutledge. Rutledge. That's good. Yeah. We fly the Rutledge flag. <laughs> Old Papa we, Rutledge. <laughs> we fly the Rutledge flag. The soldiers like start uh, poking each other, whispering to each other. James, can I roll a knowledge check when he says Rutledge flag? You immediately know this is a problem. <laughs> I don't even. It's such an easy check for you. Yeah. Um, I like wince as soon as I hear him say Rutledge. You immediately look to the soldiers as they, they start. Uh, I, I still think I keep my face down, like even with yeah. even with my head. Like maybe I then move. I think you can see them. Yeah, okay. Because like you know, you know to look for a problem at least. Yeah. And I do, I do want you to be privy to this information. Okay. The soldiers, you you look to them. The soldiers appear to be like conspiratorially and excitedly whispering to each other, and you can hear from the intonation. They believe whatever Travis just said. They don't know what you know, that the Rutledge family turned their vessels over to the Red Feather over 20 years ago. So when Travis says that, Jonnet just like peeks up and like, yep, uh, I'm one of the youngest in the outfit of the Rutledge uh, family. Uh, proud to fly the flag. Oh. Um, and you do that. He He looks to you. And your your eyes, like I, I think even Travis, when he is in the middle of doing a lie that he's not super confident in, I I can't imagine that you can tell. And he he looks down to Jonnet, who is sort of broken out of this nervousness, and then again over to the impassive face of Vale, and he laughs. <laughs> Uh, forgive me, I must apologize. I did not mean to place you and your employer at imposition. <laughs> well then, I advise all on this lift to be on their best behavior. After all, who can say when the Rutledge might be hiring again? Well then, I do so hope that you and your company enjoy Iapiora. I may even be so bold as to promise you that this year's events will be a display. He claps you on the shoulder. I'm sorry, friend. I'm afraid I must impose once more. May I have your name? Don't say Lena Gilo and you'll be fine. I think it's I think he's just gonna use his real name. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's a cool character choice. <laughs> <laughs> try something new. Just that's, try. that's some shade that's like four years in the yeah. making. <laughs> let's, let's just try to play the character who maybe just uses his real name. Why not? <laughs> Madigo. Travis Madigo. They shake hands. A pleasure to make your acquaintance, Travis Matigo. I am Tiberius Youngblood. And I think you know the Youngbloods in some measure, uh, probably just by reputation. Uh, if you want to know interesting, cool facts, you can make a roll or just be like, oh, yeah, I've, I've heard that name before. I've heard that name. <laughs> <laughs> what would stealing a watch be? Would that be... Skullduggery, I believe. Okay, what's the difficulty? God, he's not expect... I'm going to give this a uh, two purple and a red. Um, 
JPC, please tell me, did I do this? Mm. God, no, no you Look did at not. All those fucking failures. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Jesus just Christ! A failure it's just, and a yeah. threat. No, you know, okay. a threat failure and a threat. Boy, oh boy, you shouldn't have tried that. Does I accidentally put one of my watches on him? Uh, I, I I have something that you, that you can do. So you go to like shake his hand, and um, when you go to shake his hand, you're like trying to unlatch mm. his watch. I think he should like grab your hand, pull you close, and then mm. take out a knife and be like, oh. "In the sky, pirates lose a hand for things like that." Because <sighs> I think he's been like nicey nice with you so far, and I think it would be cool to show him with some like teeth. Mm-hmm. And I think he should cut your hand off, and I think he should play a character <laughs> with one hand. That's a neat character choice. <laughs> Wouldn't that be fun for just a change of pace, like a one-hand character? Tiberius does indeed grab you as you are in the middle of this and pull you close to him. What if I don't steal the watch, but he mistakes me trying to steal the watch for some secret handshake that means something. That's too much. That's yeah. too much. Uh, you also <laughs> failed. Yeah, no, I yeah. know. But I mean, one that would be like oh, yeah. a bad one for me to do. I don't know. <laughs> bad secret handshake. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, just cut off my hand. <laughs> he pulls you in and says, 17. That is the number of Corsair vessels that I have taken in. 17. You'll find no outlaw vessels at this port. I don't need to find them. I already know where they are. And he pushes you away and goes back to that jovial laugh uh, that lets no one in his retinue know what just transpired. Uh, But you get to the bottom of this wall and it like opens up into this large boulevard uh, that right now is pretty bustling people moving carts around there are like street vendors here uh, that have I think uh, curios and different things that tourists might buy from this place you know you've you've got your I love BN shirts uh, you've got your little uh, depictions of the, the tallest town Hours. You've got one of those machines that'll munch up a coin real good. Turn it into a scarf. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I think without much fanfare, Tiberius says, Well, Mr. Matago, I must admit it has been my distinct pleasure to ride down with you and your compatriots. May the best winds fan the Rutledge flag. I hope you get a chance to see Iapiora. I could always use more people cheering me on in the joust. The feeling is quite mutual. May your sails ever be ablaze. Fuck that rules. And Tiberius and his soldiers march off. You are waiting for Gable, who is making their way down the stairs. And y'all have a spyglass. It's a pirate ship. You obviously have access to a spyglass. And I can't imagine anybody other than Jonnet who would excitedly use a spyglass to track Mm -hmm. Gable's progress down these stairs. What's up with that lady in that stick? Well... It's funny that you should say that, Jonnet, because you're looking through this spyglass and you do track back and you see uh, this person in a robe. They have this beautiful like paint on their face and they're moving with like such a fluid kind of rhythm. Mm-hmm. 
and they stop and plant their staff in the way that Gable had witnessed earlier, and they murmur something, and then they turn and look down, and you can see that they are looking directly at you. Uh. And their eyes grow wide, and their mouth falls open. <laughs> John, John it sees this, immediately, like, puts the puts down the spyglass and just like takes one big sidestep behind the captain <laughs> and then like just like put then spins around puts it back to the captain leans back out puts up the spyglass to see if that person is still looking at him gable you I think have been enjoying like a, a kind great of great cardio session. Yeah. It's been great. It's been a little bit peaceful and meditative too for you. Uh, you know, it's not quite the deliberate meditation that this traveler uh, had, but it has been a moment to breathe away from everyone else. You know, think about living on a pirate ship. You are around other people mm-hmm. all the time. Yes. So, You have been enjoying this and in the background, you know, slowly and progressively as you have made your way down these stairs, it's been getting fainter and fainter, but your walk has been accompanied by uh, the rhythmic sound of the bells and the staff. You have been able to hear it over the din of the city all this time, going at a steady pace and rhythm. And suddenly that changes. It just picks up and moves faster, very fluidly all at once. And you looking up, and this is probably, you know, a a story or two above you. You see those blue robes flow very quickly. How do you react to that? How far away am I from the ground? I'm going to say a good 12 feet of stairs left. Ropes nearby course there are ropes nearby that's uh any changes in the environment are never good so uh it behooves gable to get off the stairs as soon as possible they look up and notice that there's a rapid movement up and the sooner they're on the ground the better so they grab a nearby rope and attempt to swing down I think you can easily do that and and you sort of look back at this figure and all of a sudden it is not like a person moving at all with their robes trailing behind them. It looks like water falling down the stairs. And you reach the ground very quickly and I think uh, your group senses your urgency and that's our episode. What? Yeah. (laughs) Okay. You should always take the stairs. (laughs) (laughs) Scotty All right, once again, we find ourselves back at the audition table for the Uhuru, and a new figure toddles up to drop off their headshot and resume. Liz, do you want to tell us who this person is? Give me a second. Oh, man, the heart bell in the ship is just like... The fart bell? The fart bell. There are two bells on a ship. One makes a big bell noise. The other one just goes... 
<laughs> Every time. <laughs> Screams. Huh? <laughs> aloe. <laughs> I'm sorry, do you need aloe? I have some aloe here. Is, no, is that an accent? No, I am a adult and I'm here to apply for your job. From where? <laughs> I'm an adult from a foreign country. I've flown here specifically to come to your wonderful ship because I hear such wonderful things. Oh, thank you. It uh, truly is a wonderful ship. Uh, may I ask um, uh, what country you call home? I am from all countries. Well, no. <laughs> Well, now I don't. Uh, I consider myself several men. I mean, one man of the world. Uh, I, I travel to and from, and I am welcomed with open arms everywhere I go. Oh, that's an interesting detail, and uh, we have to oblige. <laughs> if you're here, I, I that will means say you need my arms be... are open. I'm welcoming yeah. uh, with arms wide open. Under the what? The sea. Oh, thank you. Well, well welcome to our ship. I'll I'll show you everything. <laughs> With arms uh, wide open. Thank you. As you can see on my resume, I am very uh, adept at things like uh, reaching up to uh, cabinets that are very high, because you can see I am very tall. Mm, yes, well, mm -hmm. can, might I ask you, can you take me higher? I can lift you if you give me a little bit of time. <laughs> well, uh, mm, now, I just uh, heard the news today, and it seems oh. uh, my life is going to change uh, with you aboard the ship. Uh, oh, is that correct? That's correct. Did you know that that is actually about having a child? Huh? Hmm? <laughs> anyway. I, yes. I, I, Speaking I, I, of children, I bet I really hope none are here. Oh, yes. I if hate I see a kid, ooh. Yes, a, a lot also, of... Um, I also hate children. Very yes. erotic adult things happen aboard this ship. and Lots of adult situations. Mostly from this fella. You'd need some parental guidance. I'm very, uh, I'm, I've seen everything. I've, I know exactly what sex is, and boy, if we if it were to happen, I would be very good at it. Well, why don't you just maybe describe three things that happen during sex? This is yeah. a standard interview technique <laughs> that we use and will use from now on with pretty much everyone we interview. Yes, this is yes. true. I understand, and this uh, it tracks with me an adult. So, three things that happen during sex. One, uh, two people, they, uh, uh, they, they, uh, uh, they put their rib cages together and drum them <laughs> like, like blue man group. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, uh, yes. uh, mm -hmm. Number two, the man, he's a, uh, he's a, uh, Remember, it opens up mm -hmm. in a beautiful flower, yes, the flower and yes. this uh, is... explodes upon to the uh, the partner as if it were a honeycomb, mm -hmm, yes. or, or like uh, 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 like a uh, uh, one of those frogs that burst the babies on its back, and that's all the sperm just yes. running everywhere with his little sperm feet. Yes, of course. I'm learning quite a bit. <laughs> and then the third thing that happens during sex is a or a a. Yes, that's yes. correct. <laughs> yes, that is very much. Right. Uh, yes, and uh, uh, and that is why I am, uh, should be uh, considered an adult and member of the group. Okay. Yes. Let's see. You mentioned the frog. Uh, okay. Uh, yes. Technically, we also would have accepted uh, piss, uh, but uh, <laughs> well, you, oh, you did mean play. Just, just regular the word play. piss. Yes. Uh, just piss. <laughs> we would have accepted the word piss, uh, yes. but you did very well. Thank uh, you. Thank you so much. Yeah, I, I, I will be honest. I'm looking at. Your resume, and I do have a few doubts, though. Why? Uh, I doubt that you are from another country, I think. Why? I, my accent is 
accent. Could you uh, uh, use um, some words maybe in your native tongue? Oh, yes, my native tongue of the world. Uh, uh. Yes, Esperanto, please. Oh, thank you so much. <laughs> we really appreciate you uh, doing that. So, so, I, I, uh, my dots are assuaged. Yes, I've, uh, I've assuaged all of my dots as well. Don't need to be a dick about it. Uh, is there anything else? I really, uh, we, I mean me, really uh, no. need some place to go. We means yes in your language. See, 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 iwi. Well, see is a sort of a yes response to a negative question. Uh, uh, I can see. Is that, it not? I can see that you're uh, wobbling a lot, in, especially in your mid section. Uh, are you nervous or oh, do you have to use the restroom? The, the ship is, oh, oh boy, is it swaying? Is it not? That's Did you say oh boy or three boys? <laughs> what? Who said I'm three boys? No, I, no, one, said, said, no, no, no one said no. that. All no. right, then I'm not okay. three okay. boys. Neither am I. Neither am I. I don't know why it needs to be said, but I'm pretty oh, confident what? that none of us here is three oh, boys unless you put three of us oh, together. Dum, 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 dum. <laughs> oh, so many boys. Ah, look at all those boys. Kids, I'm so mad at seeing kids. Now they're bees. <laughs> those kids turned into bees and they flew off the ship. I well, feel like there's some kind of a lesson in all this, but damned if I know what it is. <laughs> I don't know why this keeps happening to us. Okay, now send in the next person. I believe their name is Two Dogs Wearing a People Suit and the Bottom Dog Died. <laughs> oh, what a name. Campaign Skyjacks is a one-shot network production. For more information, be sure to follow us on Twitter at, at @campaignpod for updates about live shows and other events we might be doing. You can find more great gaming shows over at oneshotpodcast.com. Like One Shot. Take it from me, heroes. The most fun way to learn about new games is to listen to them get played. Every week on One Shot, I, your host, James D'Amato, bring you actual play recordings with a talented cast of improvisers, game designers, and other notable nerds. Each month features a new group trying a new system, exploring a wide variety of genres. The stories are self-contained, so you can jump in anywhere. And it's a great way to find new games. Discover the magic of RPGs with OneShot on your favorite podcast app. Jonnet Kessler was played by Tyler Davis, who can be found on Twitter at Tyler A. Dave, on Mainstage with Second City, or at IO with Devil's Daughter. Gable was played by Liz Anderson, who can be found on Twitter at Liz Anderson underscore underscore underscore, or at Comedy Sports Chicago with the One Woman No Show. Travis Matago was played by Johnny O'Mara, who could be found on Twitter at Johnny and Briefs or on his podcast, Dilettante Ball. Dref Wormwood was played by John Patrick Cohen, who can be found on Twitter at JPSoFly, on stage at IO with Devil's Daughter, or on his podcast, Hey Riddle Riddle. I am James D'Amato, your host and game master. You can find me on Twitter at OneShotRPG or on my other podcast, OneShot. The original music featured in this production was composed and performed by Arnie Parrott. You can find Arnie on Twitter at A-R-N-E-P-A-R-R-O-T-T. And you can find more of his work at ATPTunes.com. This episode was edited by Casey Tony, who can be found on Twitter at Casey Pony, spelled C-A-S-E-Y-P-O-N-E-Y, or on his own podcast, Neoscum. Our logo was designed by Fiona Shea, who can be found on Twitter at Fiona Pup. The world of Sphere was inspired in part by the music of the Decemberists and the card game Illimat, property of Together Studios. 
The role-playing game used for this production is a modified version of the Genesis role-playing system published by Fantasy Flight Games. There are no kings. Take flight, heroes. Health to the strangers who've ever been kind, and once for our friends near to rise. Twice to the dearest we're leaving behind, who know we can never deny the call of the sky. Can we jiggle the handle in there or close the door on that bathroom? Oh. <laughs> yes, the toilet. Yes, the, the toilet. It's yeah, me, the toilet. <laughs> you did play a toilet on a podcast. Jesus Christ. What that was a toilet? On uh, Humanoid Resources. Okay. I played a, the same toilet twice. <laughs> it was... So nice to play it twice. So deeply stupid. <laughs> You never fuck the same toilet twice, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I see your problem in here. A guy did a big shit in this. <laughs> That's what it's supposed to do, man. <laughs> yeah. It's a computer. That's not supposed to happen. <laughs> yeah. You're right not, there in the floppy drive. You're not going to want to do a big <laughs> oh, shit in boy. a computer. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, yeah. Gosh. Oh, no. We're three different people. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I would like us to start. Do a podcast? <laughs> it was diarrhea too, which is a real, a real bummer. Diarrhea, diarrhea too is a more advanced form of diarrhea. Yeah, diarrhea one's not bad to clean up. It's mostly piss. <laughs> Looking at your chart here, uh, oh boy, what it looks. Or like as we call it in the biz, a chart. Looking at your chart, you've got a real bad case of diarrhea too, guys. Uh, on the way up here, when you ring James's buzzer now, it like it goes to Google Voice, and it's like state your yeah. name for Google Voice. Liz was already there, and she already rang in, so I didn't get to ring in. But I was thinking of a bit on my way over, which was me saying, "Hey James, it's Doctor Fleming. Uh, we got." the results back and it's worse than we thought it's penis spiders <laughs> you, it doesn't give you that much time i know I was, it I, sucks. Was, I was thinking about it and i was thinking i would just scream penis spiders <laughs> it didn't give me <laughs> and i would sort of infer the rest of the bit uh penis spiders <laughs> yeah hey. it's what we thought it's the penis spiders yeah the web's coming out right there <laughs> yep yep and so actually good news it's the penis spiders <laughs> It's Bad better news. than we thought. They laid eggs. <laughs> <laughs> but we don't believe the eggs are fertilized, uh, so you will urinate them out in eight to ten weeks. <laughs> That's good. We've got medicine that can kill the eggs. <laughs> <laughs> and the spiders will die of old age. <laughs> Ah, ah. Yeah, I mean, spiders only live to be 11 or so. <laughs> they live a long, full life. Just turned into now, don't, don't let the spider get married because, uh, well, then you'll have two spiders in your dick. <laughs> and then what? One, one of their older spider dads gets sick. They got to come live in the home. Mm-hmm. And the home is your penis, <laughs> as we have said on many occasions. But again, we can kill the eggs. <laughs> so you're good there. If you get a father-son relationship between the spiders, it'll be a spider-verse situation. Yeah. I want to fucking... Oh, that, and the dad dies, and that, that's an emotional goodbye for the son. <laughs> uh, now, there is one thing we can do. Uh, if you are having intercourse, there is a poison that we can put inside your partner to kill the spiders. <laughs> 
but it will make them very sick. Uh, if you need to reach me, I'll be on the boat phone for the rest of the week. <laughs> and I get no reception. I get no reception. I'm actually calling you from port. <laughs> This is a ship to shore call. <laughs> it is, uh, and you will be built because this is not cheap. <laughs> anyway, uh, I gotta go, but just around, just to circle back, it is Dick Spiders. Reiterate again, this is Doctor Dick Spiders giving you your prognosis. <laughs> You do have penis spiders. <laughs> oh, I can see how that could be confusing. <laughs> oh, jeez. Oh, jeez. Oh, jeez. Melanie, do you know what I did? <laughs> oh, what'd you do there, sweetie? <laughs> <laughs> you better hurry up. We're about to leave port. Oh, shoot. We're leaving port. <laughs> did you tell the nice man about the penis spiders? <laughs> We've slowly morphed into like a Minnesota accent. <laughs> We started a real Chicago. It's all the same ones. A lot of the compliments we get on this show are really unfair. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's true. That's Is honest. this too long to put at the beginning of an episode? <laughs> hey, you know, if we, we can go dum, five dum, more dum. minutes, that's the episode. <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna let Casey decide oh, that. Everything hurts. Oh, It'd be great. We could get a part one at the beginning of the episode mm-hmm. and the the dramatic conclusion at the end. Yeah, I, I think there there are a lot of things that Casey can do he's a you know really innovative editor i think he's he's fuck just gonna casey. do good work on this fuck casey. i have a question about casey so does casey hear these immediately or do you give these to casey like a couple weeks before the record or? usually a couple weeks before the episodes for the past couple ones i have been going through them first gotcha. like doing a content edit because we we put a lot of spoilers in the stuff that we say on the show we do uh, and then i pass that on to casey he he's like the last time I gave him stuff, he got to like four episodes ahead or whatever. Dang. Gotcha. So if we left him messages now mm-hmm. for like lottery numbers, he could get those lottery numbers in the future and then <laughs> potentially become a millionaire. Yeah. <laughs> that huh. might be a loophole. <laughs> 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 <laughs>